Good day and welcome to another episode of the International News Desk, actually the first one of 2023. So whether you are tuning in on SL Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Play, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Robertson. Of course, I'm not alone. Mr. 30 himself, Kurt Duckerfield. How are you, my friend? Good, Sean. How are you doing? Good. Have you matured since turning 30? I have. I've changed. <laughs> That's a lot of I've changed. I've definitely changed. That's absolutely a lot of <laughs> But it's been so long um, that we have to just go back to the, the World Cup final, I guess, or the World Cup in general, and possibly the greatest game I've ever witnessed, and, and potentially you yourself. And again, um, I guess Messi reiterating that potentially the greatest player ever. Um, but what do you make of the tournament? Obviously, it was a massive success, uh, not without its own scandals. But um, the football in general was very good. Uh, you know, leading up to the final was exceptional, and the final itself was just complete next level. Messi's nerves, or lack of nerves, or whatever that you know that, that penalty he took. In yeah. the, I mean, I, I don't know where to start, man. It was just it was ridiculous, like a movie. I was so blessed to be a part of it, I guess. Exactly. It, it felt like it was one of those games that you'll always remember where you were. Um, I just, I mean, again, I, I mean, I, I don't know where to start, but mm. the the game was comfortable for Argentina in that first 78 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it was almost, it was almost gearing up to be a very underwhelming final. Although yeah. Argentina played well, in terms of the narrative, it was was like oh a tunnel win in a final it's it's sort of unusual um you felt at that point that france were just dead and buried the game was gone and then those moments from killing mbappe where he gets oh. france back into the game oh. um sends it to extra time and then argentina score what they think is the winner messi scores what he thinks is the winner celebrates like he's won the world cup um and then Another penalty to France. Um, France equalized, sends it to penalty to shootouts. From then, I felt confident that Argentina would win it um, due to Emiliano Martinez's um, just knack of saving penalties and ability to get in an opponent's head. Mm. So I always thought that Argentina would be favorites if it went the distance. Um, but just in terms of the way the game was swinging in favor of Argentina and then France. And, you know, when France equalized, when it went 2-2, you then thought that France were going to go on and win it. Yeah. And you thought that Mbappe was going to go on to score his hat-trick in 90 minutes. And it would have still been, of course, one of the greatest finals we've ever watched. Um, but then they, they failed to score. Argentina sort of come back into it. Messi actually had a very good uh, attempt from outside the box, like in the final minutes of, of normal time, which Lloris... Uh, saves um, and then extra time funnily enough was back in Argentina's favor they had all the possession they had really really good chances um, but no just a, a match full of uh, it was a whirlwind it was just like up and down you didn't know um, which way it was going to go but certainly I think one of the best or the best World Cup final that I've ever watched um, since I can remember and um, possibly the, the greatest final of all time. Yeah, I mean, finals tend to be quite underwhelming, don't they? And uh, um, again, no shadow casted over Mbappe and 
I mean, what? But he showed his quality. And I think a surprise one is Martinez. He made a bit of a name for himself in the World Cup. He's a bit of an extrovert and he's a he's a bit of a nut job in general, I think. I actually wanted to ask you what you thought about his antics because I, as a fan, uh, I love it. It's it's fun. I think it's entertainment yeah. and, and sport is entertainment. Um, so I, I really enjoyed watching him. Um, that game against Netherlands, I think it was the quarterfinal, mm-hmm. um, where he made those two penalty saves off um, the Netherlands' first two penalties. Mm-hmm. And then his antics after saving them, um, the words that he exchanged with Van Gaal after mm-hmm. the game. Um, and then, of course, his antics in the final. Like, what, what do you make of it, Sean, as a former goalkeeper? Yeah, it's, it's, so there, there's, there's something called passion. Um, there's something called, I guess making a name i think you know early on in my career i used to dye my hair blonde so uh, so like white peroxide so i so i so i stuck out um and, and it worked and i think this was his way of of sticking out and I, and i do think it was genuine i think it's um i think he's so passionate and he showed his class and he is a world-class keeper um ex sheffield wednesday keeper as well don't forget so it just shows like the, the belief in terms of how he has grown um but yeah i, I think you know is, was it authentic? Was it classy? Probably not, but it worked. He he got he got in the minds and the heads of um, a lot of people. The mere fact that we're talking about it on this podcast means he's made he's made a bit of a, a standpoint, you know. So um, all credit due to him, I think. He's shown his class. He was a, a pivotal part of the Argentinian squad for their success. I believe that everybody was. Um, but yeah, I think more passion than anything, to be honest, Kurti. Okay. Well, that's uh, that, that save in the, the dying embers of extra time. World class. I mean, that, that moment wins Argentina, essentially wins Argentina the World Cup. Yeah, I don't mean people have spoken about that save. It was a world class save. Because the, the striker didn't do a lot wrong. He, he got his shot on target. It was hard and low, um, which is what you probably want in a situation like that, especially when you're hitting the ball on the volley. Yes. Um, and Martinez is a tall guy, so... Um, I think a coach would probably have instructed his striker to shoot low in that moment, and yeah. he did. But um, yeah, Martinez was equal to it with a fantastic, fantastic save. Yeah. Huge moment. World class. I mean, it's just uh, yeah. I, I don't know where. I mean, we can talk for hours, I guess, on on this World Cup, but um, we, we probably can't. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. Fantastic all round. Obviously, Qatar having its own issues around the World Cup, how much money they spent, $300 billion in this World Cup, which is astronomical. But it has put the Qataris on the map in terms of the Qatari Football League. We have seen now Ronaldo's move into the Middle East, which you can just segment into that, which is absolutely astronomical, Kurt. Um, The money is just beyond, but there seems to be a bigger plan for his signing. So um, good move for everyone, I guess, financially for Ronaldo. And probably financial good for post his career but obviously great for the Saudi Arabian League of course of course I mean people are now talking about Al Nasser and Ali Lal and people are actually speaking about Saudi Arabian football um here in South Africa and look they will they'll probably not necessarily agree that Ronaldo has put their football on the map but he has um the the club Al Nasser I don't know if you saw but the Instagram following grew from like 800,000 to over 10 million yeah. in the space of just a week and a half or something like that so it's a massive massive deal for them in terms of the marketing in terms of the appeal um it's a transfer that 
um, sort of makes other players who previously wouldn't have considered playing in Saudi Arabia go, maybe there's something to it, maybe I'll go there too. Um, and it happened when Ronaldo actually joined Juventus. At the time, the Serie A was sort of was sort of just forgotten about, really. The standard of football, um, the high-profile players. Of course, you had your star guys at, at Juventus, um, but clubs like AC Milan and Inter Milan at the time were struggling. Um, but that league has just grown and come on in leaps and bounds since Ronaldo um, joined Juventus in 2018. So. I'm sure that the Saudi Pro League will be hoping that Ronaldo's arrival has the same sort of impact. I'm sure it will. Um, he earns a lot of money from this deal. I think it's 173 million he has paid over the course of his contract, um, making him the highest paid player in history. Yeah. So he said he had multiple offers in Europe, um, and I just don't think that they were, were offers that suited him. He said he had offers in Portugal. Um, I think he said in Brazil. Um, he said all around the world, really. But this was the deal that he took. He said that he had given his word to Al Nasser. I'm not sure when exactly that was. Um, a report came out this week that Ronaldo actually had offered himself to Real Madrid at the start of the season. So not when he was leaving Manchester United now in December mm -hmm. um, or November. But yeah, he had offered himself back to Real Madrid. Apparently, Florentino Perez just ignored the calls from his agent. Um, and that's actually another sort of controversy that we should talk about regarding yeah. Ronaldo is that apparently he's split from his long-time agent yes. and friend. Yes, I've just I've got it written down here, George Mendes, question mark. Um, I, I don't think Mendes did this deal. No, no. So it was his friend called um, Ricardo Regafe or something like that. Um, it's a long-time friend of Ronaldo's. When Ronaldo started playing with the Portuguese national team, this fella was working for Nike as a 21-year-old. Ronaldo was a teenager. I think it was at the Portugal national team. Um, and they just became fast friends. And um, he's sort of always been in Ronaldo's camp. So he's, he's very familiar with George Mendes and the whole team. Um, but I've read and it's pretty, it seems pretty credible that um, his friend was the one who actually negotiated this deal for him. George Mendes, I believe, did not sanction his controversial interview with Piers Morgan. Um, so I think that there might be some bad blood there. Wow. I mean, that's just a quick 20, 30 million euros as Oka's earned himself, I guess. <laughs> it's, just, it's ridiculous. Um, I think let's just quickly segment into United uh, and very briefly in terms of since Ronaldo has left the, the increase in form or possibly it's been a while, but um, United are looking good. Yeah, we're looking strong. Um, uh, yeah, for the fans or for the people listening who don't know, I'm, of course, a Manchester United fan. Yeah. Excuse the we. Um, yeah. I haven't done anything. I, I just like them. <laughs> sure. um, don't think I can claim it. But it's, uh, no, it's been fun to watch. I think yeah. that um, I tweeted it a, a few weeks ago that I don't really, I'm not too concerned about trophies and the, the accolades at this point. But for now, as a Manchester United fan, I enjoy watching my team play again. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Ten Hag has done an excellent job of stamping his authority. I think that since, you know, the way he's dealt with Cristiano Ronaldo, anyone who else, any, anyone else who sort of stands up to him or shows some ill discipline is just small fry. Yes. He can sort of handle anybody now. Yes. Um, and I think that he's just earned a lot of respect really quickly. Um, faster than I thought he would. 
Um, so the football's improved. The signings that he made have all made a positive impact. Yeah. Alessandro Martinez at centre back. Yeah. Casemiro has been phenomenal in midfield. He has. Uh, Anthony has had a decent start. Yeah, I don't think he's blown the roof off the place, but he's he's, he's been decent. Um, Marcus Rashford is potentially playing the best football he's ever played. Um, he had a solid World Cup, but he's, he's been excellent for Manchester United this season. Um, 15 goals already. I think his best ever tally is 23 in a season. So he's doing really, really well. Um, and it's it's just fun to watch again. There's a there's a good positive spirit around the club. Um, I think that Ten Hag was absolutely correct in the way he handled the Ronaldo situation. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see now what he does because from from what he's said and from what the reports say, he definitely does want to bring in a replacement as a striker in this January transfer window. Yeah, well, let's move into the transfer window, I guess. Um, there was talk about Rashford leaving, right? But uh, is that been put on hold or was that just rumours? So those were just rumours. I think that there is concrete interest from PSG. Yeah. Um, and that interest comes um, because Rashford's contract at, at United, I think, expires in 2024. So his deal actually is set to expire at the end of this year, at the end of the season, rather. Yes. But United have exercised their option to extend it by a further year. Um, but from what I've seen, there are reports that United want to offer him an improved deal, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think that the club will really, really fight to keep him. I don't think that he necessarily wants to go. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that it's probably in his best interest to be playing this well and not to really say anything on it. Not to say, I want to stay at Manchester United publicly, just to get the best deal that he could possibly get. Um so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, in terms of potential replacements for Ronaldo, United are looking at Wout Vegost, who is currently on loan from Burnley at Besiktas in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, so the clubs are chatting to sort out some sort of a compensation fee because Burnley would need to recall him. Um, Besiktas would need to agree to let him go. And then United would need to loan him from Burnley. So it's quite a complicated deal, but... Mm. I actually like him as a as a player, and I think that he could be a decent um, backup option in uh, in the squad. Yeah, interesting. Um, and, and just going through the Premier League teams, any ins and outs that have surprised you this transfer window, or potentially big moves coming that we don't know about? Um, in terms of big moves, I'm not really sure that there will be many. I know that Arsenal, after that uh, Ukrainian winger Mudrik, mm-hmm. that deal or that those conversations, those discussions have been dragging on for some time. Um, I was very surprised with Cody Gakpo's move to Liverpool. Um, yep. Considering Liverpool's problems in midfield, I don't know if he was necessary. I don't think the club needed another left-sided forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Klopp will have a plan for him and I'm sure it'll turn out well, but I just don't think that he should have been a priority. And then another deal that surprised me was Felix uh, joining, Joao Felix joining yes, Chelsea. Um, Chelsea on loan mm. this week. Yeah, it's it's quite an interesting one. Um, he becomes the, I think, fourth signing of the transfer window um, in what seems to be a very scattered approach. And I think that um, Graham Potter is under serious pressure now, um, whether whether the club um, are going to sack him. If, if results don't improve, I'm not sure if they're going to mm. give him until the, the end of the season, who knows, but... He's definitely not having a good time. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> there's a Fofana who's come in, Badia Schiele and Santos and Jao Felix. And we've spoken about Jao Felix at length in the past. Um, you're a big fan. I'm a huge fan. I think yeah. he's brilliant. I think he um, 
is one of the best sort of under 23 players in the world. I just think that he was used incorrectly at Atletico Madrid mm. um, by no fault of his own. I, I think that he just joined a team that prefers, or at least a manager prefers, defensive football um, and attacking players in that setup, unless they are so specific, unless they have uh, res- defensive responsibilities, particularly players who aren't strikers, like Joao Felix, like Griezmann. Um, they're just going to struggle there. Griezmann is someone who can adapt to different roles. He's also a very unselfish player who can um, come into midfield, can help out defensively. Whereas Joao Felix is someone who just wants to express himself at the other end of the field. So I, th- I thought it was always a weird deal, but he's a really, really good player. He had a good World Cup for Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to note that he actually signed an extension at Atletico before joining Chelsea on loan. So there's no obligation or option to buy. Um the reports say that Diego Simeone could leave Atletico Madrid at the end of the season. Um, so I think that this is probably the club just allowing him to go out on loan, maybe rediscover some form, maybe just to start enjoying football again um, and then potentially come back to Atletico Madrid as a key player under a new manager. Yeah, yeah well put and I agree completely. Um, let's just conclude with the big derby coming up this weekend. Man United at home to Man City. Uh, obviously, I'm a big blue fan. You're a big red fan. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, this is a big, big game for City in terms of the, the title race. Um, obviously, a massive game for United in terms of the title race and uh, as well. can't believe I'm saying that. Um, Me neither. And also a massive game for Manchester in general. And if you could put a neutral hat on, where do you see this going? I think a neutral hat, I would... Oof. I don't think that United are going to lose that game. Yeah, probably a very entertaining 2-2 or something like that. Yeah, I just think that they are so confident at the moment. They're playing such good football. They are, where are they playing? Is it at home? It's at Old Trafford, yeah. At Old Trafford, which has become sort of a fortress in recent weeks, uh, recent months, where Rashford can't stop scoring. I just feel like United are going to be confident enough to take points of City. Mm -hmm. But... Having said that, City just crashed out of the cup um, following a 2-0 loss to Southampton. And we know that City respond very well to bad performances, to defeat. So um, it's going to be a tricky one. Obviously, City battered Manchester United in that first league meeting this season. I think it was Correct. 6-3, where Haaland and Foden just tore us apart, De Bruyne. Correct. So I expect a, a very good game. Um, but I'm confident that Manchester United will not lose it. And if that's the best analysis I can offer, I apologize. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's well put. I think that game is at 2.30 uh, local time. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. Kurt, I thank you. And that is how we wrap up this episode of the International News Day. So whether you have been listening on SL Podcasts, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Sean Roberts. Kurt, thank you so much. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Sean. It's nice.